Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Baseball Buds podcast. I'm your host, Richie. As always, joining me is Matt. Matt, how are you doing? It's been a while since we've last talked. Yeah, we've been a little distracted. We uh, have joined a plethora of Dynasty Leagues. I think we are in two well, together. Well, you have. I've joined two. You have joined probably 20. Um, one, two, three, four, five, them up. Count six. Them up. Six right now with more to come. Um, it's been a little overwhelming and I think I'm starting to settle in a little bit. It's more or less because of my sleep schedule. If I had a normal sleep routine like you, I don't think this would be as much of an issue, but you know, I'm, I'm battling the, uh, the schedule for sure. But yeah, we have, a, I mean, we have a lot to talk about We have free agents. Um, you know, we are going to put our positional, um, division breakdowns on hold for a little while. And, you know, we'll have more to talk about, I think, especially as we move into the winter months, because we are getting more exposure to college players, high school players, as well as international players, and especially one of our drafts. So I think that'll add a little bit of an element to what we've had going on. But also, I think what I would say from the drafts that we have going is we've been pretty on point with everything we've talked about this year, some of the emerging players. Um, and we definitely have seen that you and I rank certain players much higher than other people in the industry. And I think um, Montez is the first one that comes to mind that we just talked about. And it will be really interesting to see where we write on some of these guys or did we maybe look at profiles in the lower minors and get ourselves kind of hyped up and excited for nothing. Um, but yeah, we got a lot to talk about today. Free yeah, agents I'm for like, sure. Yeah, definitely interesting with how we rank players, some that are we are much higher, and there's definitely some out there that we are much lower than consensus after being in some of these dynasty leagues. Um, before we break into all of the dynasty league setups and drafts and risers, fallers in these drafts that we're seeing, we're going to first talk about some of the highlights from the AFL, some of the, the pitching performances and hitters that stuck out. And then we do have winter meetings coming up. It is Tuesday. November 28th, winter meetings, I believe, start December 5th or 6th. So that's just next week. Um, that's usually when free agents rule five picks. Um, and a lot of trades go down during those winter meetings. So we're going to try to project some of these free agents, where we think they're going to go. Maybe we'll make a little side bet, but like we always do, Matt. I don't know. I don't know how much research you've done on the rumor mill. Um, but we'll try to address that and go into it. And then we'll finish up with what's going on in our dynasty um, drafts that we have going on. So let's first start, Matt. I'm going to just break down the two pitching prospects we have and then the three hitters that we have and just give a little breakdown of what you think on both of them. So the first pitching performance that stood out in the AFL is none other than Jackson Job. He went 15 and two-thirds innings across four starts. He had 19 strikeouts, five walks, and a 2.87 ERA. Um, I believe he went three and one, three wins, one loss. Um, and then he was shut down. Whip was a little bit on the higher with a 1.213. I think those five walks have something to, to do with it. And then... The other pitching performance is Ricky Tiedemann, left-handed pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays. He was a little bit injured to begin the year, so I think they wanted to get him a little bit of extra exposure. He went 18 innings right on the dot, 23 strikeouts, 8 walks, had a 2.50 ERA, went 2-1 and one in those outings, and he had a 1.11 whip, so right in line with what you'd like to see there. So 
Matt, are you buying back into Ricky Tiedemann? It looks like he put in a decent amount of innings, 18 in those four starts. Do you believe that he's fully healthy and coming back? And what did you like out of Jackson Job? Yeah, I think with Tiedemann, I'm buying back in in roto in categories. I think he can be a ratio guy, high strikeout performance. I think when healthy and when pitching, you're going to get a guy that limits runs. Now, my concern when you look at him in points league is just the longevity and the health. I think when you think of points league, you're looking for consistency. You're looking for volume as well. And with Tiedelman and the past injury history, as well as just the high octane velocity that he throws at, the arm slot, you know, there is some concerns there. Now, Chris Sale has done it. Josh Hader has done it from the relief position. You've seen guys throw higher velocity and be able to make it. But my concern is that Tiedelman may not be a guy I want to be buying into in points leagues and in rotoing categories as we are going through drafts. He's a guy that I am dropping, especially behind Job, behind the guys like Skeens and Painter. And it kind of brings us obviously to Job. You know, you had texted me, I think it was a week or two ago, and, and just raved at the six walks that Job had had over the entire uh, in the, the entirety of his season. And I thought you were ridiculous and reading something wrong, so I jumped on baseball reference and, and saw that you were correct. And that was eye-popping. Um, you know, he, he really started to rise boards July, August, and then you see what he did in the fall league. And he's really, I think, solidifying himself and cementing himself as top five pitching prospect. You know, you have Skeens, Painter, you have Horton, Robbie Snelling's rising. Um, Job's name's right there, if not in the middle towards the top. And I, I think we're going to see a potential dominant player right out of the gate for the Tigers. Good ballpark. They're building a good defense. And I, I think when you talk about that AL Central, you have opportunity to play teams that don't necessarily have imposing offenses. So I absolutely love Job. Tiedelman, I'm, I'm still on the fence with. Um, you know, I think this is an opportunity, though, to possibly go out and get him. This might be the last chance. And it might be the last chance because either his price gets too high or because you no longer want him based off the profile that we see into the major leagues, I think probably in 2024. But overall, two very good performances at the Arizona Fall League. I kind of said to you before we jumped on today, I think the Arizona Fall League talent pool this year was a little bit lackluster. Um, but at the same time, you have some prospects that these guys were facing from DeLauder to Colson Montgomery, Victor Scott, a couple guys we really like. And, um, you know, we'll have to see kind of what this talent pool looks like two, three years from now, once these guys have hit the major leagues to really evaluate what level of competition they were pitching against. Yeah, I completely agree. Jackson Job has skyrocketed up my rankings and we've had this discussion amongst our dynasty drafts that we've had here. And I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, but Jackson Job, is he your number one pitching prospect? It's hard. I mean, absolutely not. If we're talking about Paul, I mean, we would be talking about Paul. Oh Skeens. yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So Skeens. I'm just Skeens thinking about the gonna... players we've had conversations about, but yeah, Paul Skeens never makes it to us in these dynasty drafts, but yeah. Yeah. I Paul mean, Skeens is above the rest. He, he definitely takes home the, the number one pedigree for me. And honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, Job might be right there. We just haven't seen enough volume in the minor leagues for Skeens to really evaluate Job, but Job has been settled being a high school arm taken, you know, coming in la the last couple of years and, and slowly being worked in. This was the first year we really got to see that top five upside in which he was taken for. 
And he may have an, uh, I would say, maybe a better start to his career than Skeens because I would imagine Skeens comes up June or July. I would not be surprised if Jackson Job is up almost around the same time. No, that's kind of shocking, but it's competitive nature time for the Tigers in Detroit. I wouldn't be surprised. He did rise from low A to double A. Yeah. I mean, he went from rookie ball to double A. Well, and they're um, gonna they're gonna protect the innings, right? I think if you I think if we looked at it, it was like seventy innings crossed between minors and in, in Arizona Fall. It might have been 70, ninety. Seventy nine and two thirds if my math adds okay. up. Okay. So eighty plus fifteen and then two th- yeah. Right around just under eighty. So what we could probably forecast a hundred hundred ten. You know, if they really want to push him 120 next season. I wouldn't say, yeah, 110 right. seems this more realistic. Five to eight starts in the minor leagues, bring him up, you know, give him give him 10 starts, 12 starts at the major leagues, shut him down early because I don't think Detroit expects to be a wild card team just quite yet next year. Wouldn't be surprised, ultimately, would not be surprised if uh, Colt Heath comes up and performs well and, and Torkelson continues to develop and Riley Green continues to develop and Baez has even remotely a halfway decent season. I could see them being a playoff team. I mean, you have Maya's back. Scooball's obviously pitching at an electric level. Matt Manning looked to be a reasonably decent starter last year. Um, and if they can bring Rodriguez back, who we'll talk about in a little bit here, I could see them making a push. But then the problem is, when do you shut Job down? Um, but I think it's time. You know, I, I don't think there's any reason to wait for 2025. Bring him up next year, and then we'll really get to see Skeens and Job. But I, my last point about Job is I, j- I just think because he's been in the minor leagues for a number of years now, he may be more comfortable and might out of the gate have a better performance than Skeens. I still like Skeens' career, just marginally more. Yeah, I, I think I agree with mostly what you said. All right, let's move on to some three names that we have from the AFL. And the first, I think he won MVP of all AFL, and that is James Triantos. This is a player second, third base, depending on how you want to view it, for the Chicago Cubs. And he was on my radar, but nothing that really stuck out to me. But in the 22 games he had at the Arizona Fall League, he batted 417. Three home runs, but you got to remember it was only 22 games, 22 walks to 15 strikeouts, so almost a one-to-one ratio. You like to see that. An OPS of 1174. Love to see anything over 900, so love to see that. Did this AFL performance move the needle at all for you for James Triantos? Is he rising up your boards? Is he staying the same? What are you thinking with James Triantos? I think he's a name in the equation now. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. You know, thinking about that Chicago Cubs infield, you have Matt Shaw, who they just drafted. You have Nico Horner. You have Dansby Swanson. There is not room for him in that infield right now. Now, first base obviously has been a re- revolving door. Matt Mervis cannot solidify that job. I think there's an opportunity for him to possibly push his way into a utility role with a majority share at first base until they can really figure it out. I actually wouldn't wouldn't mind a Triantos Matt Mervis kind of timeshare, but I don't think the Cubs are in a position to let that happen. I think they're in a window of competitiveness, and I think first base will be solved, which will essentially mean Triantos will have to be an outfielder. And currently, the Cubs have a rotational outfield, so I'm kind of down on Triantos. If they can move him, um, I would probably be more interested as a guy that I would be looking to target later. 
in dynasty rebuilds so that you have a guy that you can maybe kick the tires with, have him start for two to three years before you have a prospect come in and fill that position. But I think he's fringe and it kind of sucks because his performance was absolutely ridiculous. I want to be surprised if he's traded coming up in these yep. winter meetings, but we'll see. All right, let's quickly go over two other names that we have. One is Chase DeLauder, outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians. He batted 299 in 23 games. He had five home runs with 27 RBIs, 14 walks to 11 strikeouts, some more walks than strikeouts. And I'm trying to look for his stolen bases. He had five stolen bases, one caught stealing. So he really popped right off the page. DeLauder was somebody I liked for his hit tool and didn't really project him to have that much power, especially playing for Cleveland. You know, they have a more pitcher-friendly ballpark. Not too crazy, but it's definitely leans more pitching than hitter. Um, I liked what I saw out of Chase DeLauder, and he actually rose up my rankings probably about 20 to 30. I think I have him in my 20 or 30s. Let me pull that up. But uh, I have, yeah, DeLauder 23rd overall now for my outfielders. Um, and that's not including prospects that have debuted at all in MLB. So my rankings are strictly prospects that have not touched the majors yet. So I'm curious, did your rankings change on DeLauder with this AFL performance? Yeah, he he was given uh, a boost, definitely. But it really was because this is some of the first healthy action we've really had to see from him and given him evaluation with some of the injuries that he's run into. And I think with his age... And obviously the Guardians having an outfield that is very lackluster. I know this because I have most of them in a dynasty league that I joined this year. It's pretty bad. Um, I think there's going to be opportunity there. A lot of fourth outfielders currently starting in Cleveland, which is going to give him an absolute chance out of spring training, I think, to make the team. And big time turnaround, I think, as opposed to what we saw from Hurston Kierstead last year, who won AFL MVP is the fact that he had a huge roadblock with playing time. DeLauder, I don't think, does. But I do think there are players in front of him that have more upside. But I also think if you're in a four or five outfielder league, you're drafting in Dynasty, or you're looking to acquire that fourth and fifth outfielder, I think is an absolute perfect fit. He's going to be a very, very balanced player, has the potential to build into a plus-plus power hitter as well. With good contact skills, I think, as he comes you know, into his late 20s, early 30s, and he's a guy that I think can really solidify you as a starter right off the bat. But again, the cost is probably rising after his AFL performance. I would completely agree. All right, the last player we have from the AFL is somebody that you and I have been drooling over for his immense speed that he showcased, and that is Victor Scott, outfielder for the St. Louis Cardinals. He had 18 stolen bases in 23 games at the AFL, batted 286 with three home runs. The crazy thing is, is think of um, Billy Hamilton, Estuary Ruiz, whichever speedster you want to think of, and now give them 20 to 30 more batting average points and give them about 5 to 10 more home runs, and that's what we're looking at with Victor Scott, or at least that's what I think you can get out of Victor Scott at his peak. He does strike out a little bit more than you want, but I liked what I saw in the AFL. He had 12 walks to eight strikeouts. So again, a better ratio of walks to strikeouts. I mean, I mean, he rose like outside of my top 100 to number 23 on my big board. So I'm curious. Actually, I'm not curious because I know he moved up your rankings as well. What are your thoughts on Victor Scott? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we kind of broke down the draft. Um, we broke down the Orioles with Enrique Bradfield. These are the two players, Bradfield and Scott, that I'm looking at this offseason as the speed first players. Um, I, I think you kind of said it, you know, story Ruiz, when you really look at him, has a lot of defaults. Uh, definitely showcased a little bit of power in the minors, but his exit velo was pretty bad. Scott's a little bit different. Scott has the exit velocity behind him, especially on pulled balls inside on him. Uh, showcased a couple nice home runs in the Arizona Fall League. So I saw one on Twitter that was just a great pull to right field. Good exit velo. He has a little bit of pop, and that's really important for me, not only for the home run aspect, for, but for the doubles and the triples. Can he really hit the gaps and leverage that speed and really help you in the runs category as well? Um, Scott's a guy that we both love. Um, I, I think there is risk attached there, obviously, but I think it's attached because of St. Louis. That outfield has been a rotating door for a number of years. You had issues getting Carlson playing time. You know, Now that we have Jordan Walker cemented in the outfield, is the opportunity for Scott going to come? I think absolute best-case scenario, the Cardinals look at this 39-year-old average rotation, jokes of course, and move Scott for maybe a younger pitcher. But I don't know that that's going to be in the, the equation. And my concern is maybe for the first or second year of his pro career, He's going to be more of a fourth or fifth outfielder utilized for his speed, utilized for his defense, and that's just not fantasy-friendly. Um, so I, I'm, I'm concerned, and I really hope they don't waste his talent because he deserves to be a starter at the major league level if you have guys like Joey Weimer, Garrett Mitchell starting in Milwaukee. I, I definitely think Scott has a lot more upside and a lot more fantasy uh, potential than those two. Yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. I completely agree. It's just a matter of opportunity. And I think he should be able to get it, especially if the Cardinals want to compete and they need some speed on their team. They don't have much. Who's their fastest guy? Maybe Lars Newbar. I was going to say, you know, Tommy Edmond in years past, but Tommy's getting closer to 30, if not 30 already. And, uh, but that's the issue, right? You have Nude Bar, you have uh, Alec Burleson, you have Jordan Walker, you have yeah. Dylan Carlson. And listen, I know, I agree with what you're going to say. Outside which is, of Jordan Walker, I don't think any of those guys are roadblocks for Victor Scott if he keeps up his average and he has a little bit of pop. They they shouldn't be. You know, we're we're both in agreement but there. But we're, yeah, but we're not, we're this not running team that has organization. proven to make poor decisions. I mean, they just signed two guys that... Uh, I wouldn't let them pay me to pitch for my organization. Sorry, Sonny Gray. Hit kick rocks, you know. Bye. And then you're talking Perfect about segue. bringing in Gibson. Like it, just two two moves in this organization has. Uh, I'm I'm thankful they're in the central because they can continue to suck for as long as they need to. And they need a new front office. That's my final, you know, piece of this rant. All right, let's move on to some MLB free agent signings and some predictions that. We have, um, Matt, you have a list of current free agents, but I'm going to just quickly rattle off the free agents that, or notable free agents that have signed. Aaron Nola has re-signed with the Phillies for seven years. Um, I don't have the, oh, for $172 million, which comes out to about $24.5 million per year. Sonny Gray, three years, $75 million, so 25 on the dot. Isn't that crazy? Sonny Gray got more money than Aaron Nola. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez went to the Atlanta Braves for three years, 30 mil. Kenta Maeda from Minnesota Twins to the Detroit Tigers for two years, 24 mil. Kyle Gibson, one year, 12 million. 
to the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, Lance Lynn goes from the Dodgers back to the Cardinals on a one-year $11 million deal. Um, and then some lower ones, Jason Hayward back to the Dodgers, Paul DeYoung uh, to the White Sox, and then the rest don't really matter. Um, so sounds like the Cardinals have made their splashes. I don't know what other free agents they'd want to go and get. Maybe some bullpen pieces, but either way, um, I think they went and got the pitchers that they needed. They might also need to get some wheelchairs and some diapers for their pitching staff as well, since they have an average age of what, 35, 36. So that will be fun to see. Well, just to circle back around, I, I don't understand why there's not urgency right now. You have Arenado and Goldschmidt, um, obviously in similar time windows of prime, but also kind of exiting that prime. We're seeing from Arenado over the last couple of years, the average is down, power is there, but it's fringe at times. And then Goldschmidt obviously coming off MVP in 2022, 2023 was a bit of a down year. It's time to win right now. And with this pitching staff, you are not going to do that. You have a Jordan Walker, you have a Victor Scott, and you have a Mason Wynn. These are some pieces that you could go out and really leverage to bring in a, a good one or two starters. You call the Milwaukee Brewers, even interdivisionally, and you offer a couple of those names for Corbin Burns, you get Corbin Burns. And here they are with you know bringing in Sonny Gray, who, as I've, I've said off the air, will be hurt by May and really let people down because that's what he's known for letting teams down the Yankees the Reds goes to Minnesota when no one really wants him uh, via the trade boom finally performs well yet again um and then you, you look at Gibson who has just been an in innings eater for the most part for the back half of his career did have a nice start in Philly if I remember correctly um but I, I don't understand it from a construction perspective and there are definitely some names I would have preferred to add um you know Blake Snell Jordan Montgomery bringing him back to St. Louis but they chose a different route yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because I have this d internal debate. Like, do you just go and spend money and then you get to keep your farm? Or do you give up valuable assets that you can have in the future to get talent now? Like, if you were to give up prospects for Corbin Burns. Or do you go and get a lesser piece and just spend some of your salary? And so those are, like, from a fan perspective, you're like, yeah, just get rid of the prospects. Like, let's go get a Corbin Burns. But from a managerial standpoint i can understand why they wouldn't want to do something like that but then again like i mean who knows maybe aaron Ola didn't want to leave philly but i would have preferred aaron Ola over sunny gray but we also don't know what those conversations were like and yeah we stay don't in your hometown that's probably what you're going to do you're probably going to take a little bit less money so you can stay where where you want to where you want to stay where well, you've been your whole career you know, again, we don't know the personal aspect of this, but let's just hypothesize this is an average human being in in, in um, Aranola. You got kids in school, you got a house, you know, you got to uproot the kids, you got to uh, sell the house, move into a new house, you know, get comfortable with a new city, like all of those details. And like, I think we can uh, em empathize with that as we're in our 30s now, like, you know, 20, 25 million dollars on the table. And I'm like, hey, screw that. My wife is going to have to make new friends again. Yeah, no, thank you. I'll um, stay where I'm at. But no, but ser yeah, I'm going to stay where I'm at, seriously. Yeah. No, and I'm, I mean, I'm in agreement with you. I think it's hard too. We see this done more in fantasy than we see in real life. But I mean, you think about, let's just hypothesize um, Corbin Burns to St. Louis. I think with one year left on his deal, Jordan Walker's untouchable, but you get Victor Scott. Maybe you toss in Willie Adamas 
and you ask for Mason Wynn. And the Cardinals are like, well, you know, you're losing Scott. And it's like, okay, that's fine. We'll toss in Joey Weimer as well. And you look at it on a paper, and you're like, wow, the Brewers gave up a lot, but not really. Two players that are, are um, losing contracts and burns as well as Adamas. Weimer, who's probably a fourth or fifth outfielder. You're able to bring in a starting shortstop in Mason when you're able to bring in a starting outfielder with high-end speed in Scott. And then you look at the Cardinals, you get a starting shortstop, you get a top-tier ace who you can presumably sign to a long-term deal, and you get a fourth outfielder to go along with your other fourth outfielders. But those deals just don't get done as often as they should because I think, again, interdivisional rivalries stop those things as well as major league teams just they don't find a way to get these pieces to work. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you said. So let's move on now to the free agents that are still out there. Um, and how do you want to do this? You just want to go down the positional rankings and what we have here? Yeah, I have, I think, the two, our... I have the two, um, <clears throat> I think, sexiest free agents still available at the top. Um, you know, okay. I think we so can touch I am... on them. And... Yeah, we have... We have, yeah, we have it in the big board. I'm using a spot, spotrack.com. They've got a good list here. So I've been using that to filter if you want to follow along with me, Matt. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, go ahead and read so, it off. Yeah, so at the top for catchers, um, they've got a handful. But the two that stick out to me are Mitch Garver um, and Yasmani Grandal. So... Yasmani Grandal is getting up there in age 35, and Mitch Garver is turning 33 in a couple months. So they are, are not young guns anymore, but you're not really going to get that in the free agent pool here for catcher. So do you have any inklings, thoughts on where you think Grandal and Mitch Garver might go? Yeah, I think Grandall's and this is the time for him either A, to retire and not sign, or, or B, <laughs> uh, be a backup. Um, I could see him going to an Oakland on a really team-friendly deal, you know, kind of ending his career, going to maybe um, the White Sox, staying with the White Sox, I should say, on, a, again, a team-friendly deal. It'll be interesting. He, he had a really bad season last year. If I remember correctly, it's been a bad about year and a half for Grandall. Uh, Garver's the big name, right? Garver's the, the name that I think will have in, a number of interests from competitive teams, and... I haven't really sourced things out, but again, from a fantasy perspective, this is the name that I'm excited about because there was playing time concerns and injury with Texas last year. And as soon as he got the opportunity, once Jonah Heim went out with that hamate injury, you started to really see Garver come back to form. And I'm excited with that. Um, <clears throat> uh, Garver, I would not be surprised if he went to Chicago. Kind of as a filler. The Cubs? In, uh, yep, until okay. uh, Moises Balistarde comes up. Who's, who's their who's catcher now? That's exactly the case. Head? I have absolutely no idea. Hmm. While you talk I, about him, I will uh, I will source that out for us. Yeah, you, you look that up. But I, and I've got nothing to suggest this, but I have a feeling Mitch Garver might go back to his old team in the Minnesota Twins. They just barely snuck into the playoffs by winning. Well, I shouldn't say barely snuck in. They won their division, so naturally they got a spot, but they did not have the team to do it. They are losing pitching with Sonny Gray and Kenta Maeda both leaving. So I could see them getting a Mitch Garver and then going and getting some more pitching. 
but I also am not sure what their long-term plans are. Are they going to pack it in and go for mini rebuilds here, or if they're going to go assign some pitchers and try to go and win the central all over again. So that's my thought for Grandall. I don't think he goes back to the white Sox. Um, did he start his career in Oakland, Matt? Is that why you chose that? Cause I could see, see him going back there. Or his money started retiring. his career with the reds. Technically was drafted by the reds traded. Yeah, he, he's not going back to the there. Dodgers, Dodgers to the Brewers. He Brewers, is retiring. The White Sox. Right. So Cubs. So before uh, we move on to first base, it's what kind do you got of for the Cubs. It sucks. They have. Um, oh, I can't spit out of my mouth right now. They have Jan Gomes. Yikes! Thirty six going on thirty seven. Um, that's the projected starting lineup right now on Fangraphs. They have uh, Miguel Amaya, who. Was okay last year. I mean, he's 24 years old. You might so. be right with Mitch Garver. Here. Um, but they also, it says they have Tucker Barnhart. Oh, he's a free agent. Okay, never mind. So, no, they do not have Tucker Barnhart. Uh, he's gone. So, yeah, I mean, Jan Gomes, bye. Um, I'm bringing in Garver. You know, we're going to talk about Otani in a little bit here, but they've been linked to some really big names this offseason. It's time for them to spend money. It would make sense to me. Um, Moises Balistardi, in my opinion, is the catcher that they are positioning for the future. You know, we we need some more development from that that young player, but he seems to be the guy. And if you bring Garver in for a year or two year deal, you've got your backup when Moises comes up, or you've got your starter while Moises really starts to learn how to pitch frame and and control major league pitchers. So, I love him in Chicago. You might be right on that. All right, let's move to first base. So there are some interesting names, but to speed up this process, there's only one name that is of interest, and that is Reese Hoskins. He was out with, I believe it was a torn ACL, which helped Hosk or Harper move over to first. The latest news is, at least for this year, upcoming year, 2024, the Phillies are planning to use Harper as their sole first baseman. So it does not seem likely that Hoskins will re-sign with Philly. Having said that, I have a feeling he might go to the Chicago Cubs. There are some things out there, some rumors that he might go there. Um, you just mentioned earlier that Matt Mervis hasn't worked out. Um, I don't see them re-signing Cody Bellinger for the type of deal that he wants. Um, you know, is Cody Bellinger even on this first base list? No, he's. Like I have him in. I have him in center field. Okay. Okay. We'll save him for outfield. But I think because of that. I, see, I could see Reese Hoskins going to the Chicago Cubs. There's also rumors that the Cubs might try to trade for Pete Alonso. I don't see that really happening. If you want to save some of your assets, maybe trade for some pitching or something else like that. So I am going to go with Reese Hoskins to the Chicago Cubs. I know I ranted a little bit, Matt. What are your thoughts on Reese Hoskins? All right, so I got a number of teams, and I'm going to spit them all off, and then I'm going to let you know who I really think. Seattle Mariners. Definite opportunity there. Um, Washington Nationals just did not tender Ooh, Dominic spicy. Smith in interdivision. Uh, doesn't have to really move that far. I like that one. Um, let's see here. Pittsburgh Pirates. I know they're not a team to spend money, but they need a veteran. They need a power hitter. They need a righty. So I kind of like that fit. Uh, there's another team I really, really, really liked here. Was it Minnesota? 
Uh, wasn't the Yankees, wasn't the Guardians. So I guess we're going to have to stop there. Um, I think Nationals. I think it's the Nationals. I like the Cubs, but I think the Nationals like national. need to bring in a veteran for all these young kids coming up. James Wood, Dylan Cruz, the pitching staff that, that is, you know, rising, the, the, the youngsters. And coming in with C.J. Abrams as their face of the franchise now, they need to add power. They need to add stability. I think this may be the only team that goes out outside of the Cubs and says, hey, we'll give you a four, five-year deal, $80 million. You know, Come on in. Um, we're going to pay you what you deserve because a lot of teams are going to be scared away after the ACL from a power hitter who may have his bat slowing down. I don't think the Nationals will be too concerned with that. Um, I think Miami's an option as well, but th- that's like if nobody wants to sign him, and I don't foresee that being an issue really. Um, you know, most of the other teams though have a solidified first baseman. Last one, sorry, found it. Giants. I could see the Giants moving off Wade. I could see that too. Um, and, and bringing him in, but it's really going to be dependent, I think, on what the Giants do with their money. And if they sign somebody big, I think aren't they're they out. In the, aren't they in contention for Otani? It's not likely. But yeah, I mean, I think I think they're always in contention for everybody until they're not. Yeah. All right, I'm not going to lie to you. I took a look at second base and shortstop, and it's hot garbage. garbage. So I'm yeah. cool to skip it if you want to. Uh, I mean, you got I'm players throw... like Whitten Merrifield, Ahmed Rosario, yeah, Tim Anderson. Like, so Merrifield and Rosario. I think those are the only two names that caught my eye for fantasy. Those are on on our outline right here. And Merrifield, I think, would have to go to an Oakland. Um, would have to return to Kansas City, but they've already got a bunch of speed guys in that infield kind of clogging things up. I think you really need to see where Merrifield falls. If he falls into a starting job, I think that's a guy that, hey, you can use again in rebuilding dynasty teams for maybe an asset midseason and flip that for maybe some young kids that have some names to him. And then Rosario's big. Rosario, obviously, formerly highly touted prospect, uh, didn't work in, in New York, got traded to Cleveland, didn't really work in Cleveland, got traded to the Dodgers, didn't really work in L.A. Defense is obviously plus-plus. We've been waiting for the bat to come through. He's showcased a little bit of contact ability, um, kind of like Merrifield, but he's younger. So this could be a guy, if you have hot garbage at your fantasy um, your fantasy shortstop, that could be, could be very interesting. Also, uh, Richie, you are on the clock for our, our dynasty draft. So I'm going to go ahead and give this a little pause for the listeners. And uh, after <laughs> Richie goes ahead and screws his pickup, we'll be right back. So we pause so that I can make my pick in one of our dynasty leagues. Turns out it looks like I'm going to be trading that. So we're going to put that on pause and I will not tell you who I took. Um, I think, where do we leave off, Matt? On second base and shortstop? We, we are on up. third base. We are moving on to third base now. And as we do that, I think the biggest third base that is going to be available is Matt Chapman. Um, there are also a few other names that are interesting. There is going to be Justin Turner and Jamer Candelario. Um, I'm also looking here. They got Gene Segura and Eduardo Escobar, but for the purposes of this, I don't see much fantasy value in Eduardo Escobar or Gene Segura, especially for third base. So let's talk about Justin Turner and Matt Chapman first. I'm curious where you think Justin Turner and Matt Chapman go. 
I have no idea if I'm being honest. I feel like they could go anywhere. Um, do you have any inkling of where they might go? Well, I think all three are a candidate to sign one or two year deals. I think Turner, especially this is the twilight of his career. He's looking for one year deals. Obviously last year in Boston was fantastic. Um, I think Chapman obviously was going to want a, a three, four year deal. I don't know that people are going to be willing to give it to him. You know, you look around the league and again, outside of the Washington nationals, um, Milwaukee brewers, uh, you know, I could continue to list a few, the giants, I think the giants are a really good option actually for Matt Chapman. I'm going to go giants for Matt Chapman. I was, I was thinking Matt Chapman to the giants as yeah. well. Um, honestly, I have, originally I have I thought... Turner to Milwaukee actually for a one-year deal until Wilkin is ready to play first or, Oh yeah, I could see. I honestly was thought I this whole time. I thought Chapman was going to the diamondbacks before they went and traded for Anahenio Suarez. Um, you know what? I could see Matt Chapman going to Seattle Mariners. He seems like a Mariner who's going to be their third base now that they got Suarez gone. Yeah. Well, it's a I'm bunch of Seattle. utility players, but yeah, I mean, I'm going to go Seattle. They have to spend some money. All right, I'm going to Seattle. You can go San Francisco. I'm jotting it down. Put it on the board. All right, Justin Turner. Matt says Milwaukee. Hmm. I'm going to copy you. I'm going to say Milwaukee. I doubt he does because he just doesn't seem like he would sign with the Milwaukee Brewers coming out of big markets his most of his career, but like it is a really good fit. Um, Jamer, I have actually going back to Washington. I could see that. I'm trying to think of, I don't know why, he just seems like a Miami Marlin, but I don't know what Josh Bell and Jake Berger's contracts look like, so I'm going to opt out of that one. I'm not going to pick for this one because I could not tell you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely a, a challenging one for sure. All right, let's move over to outfield. We are definitely stalling for the biggest names in the whole free agency. So I want to just get right to it. Um, let's get to outfielders. Um, wow, they do not have this sorted properly. So I have, I'll just run through them. We, don't, we actually can skip some of these guys because at this point we're just treading time. Luis Gurriel, who knows? Fantasy option, yes, but more streamable. Fourth, fifth outfielder. Jack Peterson, same thing. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez, same thing. Two big names I have is Cody Bellinger, um, and then then Lee out of Korea. Oh, Jack Peterson. Um, you know I. Teoscar Hernandez. Yeah, but who cares? You know, like who, honestly, <laughs> Teoscar in a hitter friendly ballpark with his home runs. I think he hit like twenty six. I want to say, even being in Seattle, like he's not going to give you average. He's going to get bat two forty, but. He could get you 30, 35 home runs, and that's doable for fantasy for sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I just don't see a Teoscar bounce back happening. Obviously, I like that he's leaving Seattle. Um, again, playing time. That's fair. You know, I think Teoscar, too, at this point, cannon of an arm, but looking at possible DH position, um, I, w- I would rank it, I think, honestly, Gurl at number one. Um, Peterson, number two. Yeah, I'll go Teoscar number two, Jock number three of the three that we had just talked about. I'm going to say Cody Bellinger to the Yankees. I feel like that just seems like the most natural fit for them. 
Lords Guriel, I feel like is going to go back to Arizona. I feel like they don't really trust Jake McCarthy and Alec Thomas quite yet. I could see him coming back on a one-year deal, maybe two years. Um, I'm trying to think, don't they have another outfielder too? Christian Robinson, if maybe give him a little bit more time, see if he can actually develop the way he was supposed to. Jack Peterson. Yeah, that's the one I, I'm struggling with, Jack Peterson. I feel like he could literally go anywhere. anywhere. He he fits yeah. so perfectly for any team. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm trying to think, who are the Phillies outfielders? They got Kyle Schwarber. Castellanos, Marsh. Castellanos, Marsh. Yeah, he's not going to Philly. I was going to say, he seems like a good fit for Philly, but not seeing it there. Or Tampa Bay, the Rays. Yeah, could go to the Rays. Go but the Rays, yeah, Rays, Rays have, go Tampa Bay. Rays have like a, a lot of righties. Bellinger's who hard. Your, uh, I like New York. Guesses? I like going back to Chicago outside of having Pete Crow Armstrong and center bellinger is a center fielder doesn't want to play first um i'm gonna shock you a little bit i think bellinger signs with boston bellinger to boston i could see it mm -hmm. they got verdugo they've got yoshida and they got a young they got the young guns uh rafaela and weiler abreu yep but and verdugo verdugo percent uh, verdugo could be out by the time Roman Anthony comes up, I think Anthony's a corner. Um, Bellinger is a gold glove center fielder. And more importantly, you take him from the Yankees. New GM, opportunity oh, yeah. to really make a splash, solidify the outfield defense, knowing Anthony's coming up for the new pitching staff that you're going to be bringing in in the next couple of years. We've seen this time and time again. One of these teams, either New York or Boston, steals a player from the other. And uh, I, I think Bellinger, we've all agreed, should go to New York, but it would not surprise me for him to go to Boston. What, okay. I don't know why I didn't think about this earlier, but what are the odds Cody Bellinger reunites with the Dodgers or Jack Peterson goes to the Dodgers? Wasn't I'm pretty sure Jack Peterson yeah. used to be a Dodger. Well, and I would I would have thought it was pretty – I thought it was higher until Jason Hayward got re-signed. Jason Hayward re-signing with James Outman, Mookie Betts, who's presumably to play more second base this season. Um, you know, you have uh, Andy um, Pegas. Pages. Um, is it Pegas or Pages? I thought uh, it was Pages. It's either, either or. Doesn't matter. You you have you have players out there and you have money allocated. I think very unlikely Bellinger goes back to LA. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on now to a couple DH. We got JD Martinez and Jorge Soler. No surprise here. I think they're just going to re-sign with the current players that they or the current teams that they have. I think JD Martinez going back to the Dodgers seems like a good fit, and I think Jorge Soler um, back to the he was on the Marlins, wasn't he? Yeah. I feel like they keep it keep the good times rolling. Yeah, I don't hate that. I mean, Soler's nice to watch. He obviously has a few stretches throughout the season where you're really fired up and excited, um, but. Uh, neither of these names am I getting really excited about outside of seeing where they land. I'm still drafting them where I would be drafting them in any draft, just despite where they may or may not be currently. Last one I wanted to touch on was Lee, um, Korean player coming in. Oh, did I miss that? And, oh, yes. um, yep, I did. you know, we've been talking about him a little bit because of our dynasty drafts. Um, I've likened him to a Verdugo for Boston, ironically, who you had just brought up. 
Not a lot of speed. Showcased a 24, 23 home run season in Korea. Uh, walks more than he strikes out, which is really encouraging. High OBP guy. Uh, been comped out similar to Yoshida also. So it'll be interesting to see where he signs. I don't necessarily have a team in mind. Um, I think this is a fantastic fourth outfielder. This is a good third outfielder. I do not want him as my number two outfielder. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know too much on Young Holy other than you said he reminds you of a poor man's Mashataka Yoshida who came over last year, um, who did fairly well. Had a decent amount of home runs, gave you a little bit of stolen bases, solid average. So um, take that for what it's worth. All right, now it's time to move on to the free agents that we have been waiting for. Starting pitchers. We are lumping Otani into the starting pitchers. I'm thinking we didn't talk about the Dodgers because I think they are spending all of their money on Otani this offseason. Makes the most sense. He's already used to L.A. It's the closest to Japan. Um, Why not move down the road? Also stay closer to your home country. It makes all the most sense. I know there's a lot of rumors that the Cubs might be in on him, but I think all the rumblings and the Cubs trying to make all these fireworks to get Otani to come... That screams to me like they're desperate and they're trying anything they can to pry him away from the Dodgers. And with the Dodgers staying quiet and not doing anything, I think that more than solidifies that they've got Otani in their back pocket and they're just waiting to give him the deal, probably at winter meetings or whenever he comes back to the States. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you know most of baseball thinks the Dodgers are a foregone conclusion. Um, and I And I think I have to agree. I mean, at this point, you got to look at the money. I think there is a slight chance the rumblings in Chicago may be fair if he decides to sign a two-year deal, get through the Tommy John surgery, get back healthy. Uh, You have Suzuki in Chicago, so I I think that's an important piece. Something that people are not really talking about with this free agency for Otani is the element of bringing him in in a long-term deal with the idea that it's also going to bring you Roki Sasaki. And I think it does. I think if you sign Otani, the number one Japanese star, one of the best players in baseball's history because of what he's done, you are more likely to be able to sign Roki coming in 2025 or 2026 whenever he becomes posted. Um, Maybe even be longer because he's 21. Keep you posted on that. But I think that's an important piece of this. Um, But I do think the Dodgers are one of the only teams with money. So Chicago on a short-term deal. I would like to say Anaheim on a short-term deal, but I just think at this point the game is over, and if he re-signs there, the likelihood is he could be traded. So I will go um, L.A., possibly Chicago. Yeah, I I just feel like it's a a foregone conclusion. Let's move on to the next Japanese star, and that is Yoshinobu Yamamoto. I'm never going to be able to pronounce that. I think he's going to the Yankees. Um, I saw something on Twitter that he, the Yankees have been saving his favorite number 18 over the past year or two just for him to come. So it seems like they've been waiting for Yamamoto for a while. It sounds like that's, that's almost written in stone that that's where he's going. I, the only other place I could see him going is to the Dodgers. And that's only if they don't sign Otani. I don't think they have the capital to get both but it, 
who knows? Maybe I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dodgers go and get Yamamoto and Otani. That'd be that'd be baller by the Dodgers. But I don't know how they could afford that with Freeman and Mookie Betts on their payroll. But uh, who knows? Yeah, and you know, I mean, you have to assume too. Kershaw's falling off the payroll, if not this year, the following year. At some point, he does have to retire. They are finally free of that um, Trevor Bauer salary as well. So they have some money to spend, but, you know, I think Yamamoto would probably feel more comfortable in New York. I have New York as well. I, I just think that's the spot. I think the him being in L.A., being at the Laker game was kind of leverage, and especially people seeing him in L.A. and the fear that it's building, it, it just creates a bigger contract for him. But I, I can't imagine um, him going anywhere but New York. It looks like you just yeah. executed your trade, so maybe a little distracted as well. Uh, very nice. Nice little trade. I did. For those of I you listening, Richard just uh, acquired a couple picks in future rounds for really a position where we're drafting at right now, where unless you have it's a specific like the dead zone, need. Right? Yeah, it's the dead zone. I mean, I absolutely need a catcher, so for me, it's important that I go out and, and get Kyle Teal. Who's your catcher? Um, Shea Langliers. Yeah, you need to get a catcher. A catcher. Yes. <laughs> I could use a catcher too, but... And then my second not... pick, uh, now that you're not drafting, will be Noble Meyer. And I fully intend to trade Noble Meyer uh, half, halfway through this season for a competitive team if, if I feel like I'm competitive. If not, I feel like Noble Meyer, probably the best young arm on the board, similar trajectory, I would imagine, to Job. Um, I think he'll have extreme value as the seasons move forward. I like, I could see that. That's interesting. Who did you tell me originally you were going to go? You didn't say. You only told me that you were going to go Kyle Teal, right? Yeah, I mean, it was Let's Kyle Teal, Noble Meyer, Drew Thorpe. Those were kind of the names that I was kind of kicking around. Um, and, I mean, we have a few picks until I until I pick, so I don't, I don't know. Um, but, anyways, uh, we got a couple more names here. Let's round it out, kind of get through this. Yes. All right. Let's finish through the starting pitchers, and we can talk about Dynasty since it's going on. Blake Snell is on the board and Jordan Montgomery. I'm just going to go ahead and say Jordan Montgomery goes to Boston. There's rumors that he has been spending his winter in Boston this um, offseason, and his wife is doing his resi her residency at a local hospital in Boston. So I feel like that's pretty much a foregone conclusion that that's probably where he's going to go. Yeah, um, listen, I and then I'll leave it to you on that one. Yeah, I, go ahead. I don't necessarily have an opinion. I think Boston sounds great. St. Louis is out of the equation, I think. So, absolutely. Yeah, Blake. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that. Blake Snell. I'm gonna go and say he goes to the Braves. I just feel like that's a player that the Braves can use. They're lacking at starting pitcher. They need to get somebody. And if Jordan Montgomery's gone, you're not gonna be in the sweepstakes for Yamamoto and Otani. I feel like the next best player for your team is going to be Blake Snell. They just got knocked out of the playoffs um, early to, I think they lost to the Phillies if I'm not mistaken. So they have the hitting. They just are lacking in the starting pitcher. I feel like they are desperate for a pitcher and I feel like they, Nola's gone, Sonny Gray's gone. The Cardinals snuck up and got all the old guys with Lance Lynn Kyle Gibson, Sonny Gray. So, like, I feel like it's either you go and get Marcus Stroman or you go and get Blake Snell. And I feel like Blake Snell provides better upside for them and what they're trying to accomplish. 
Yeah, I like Atlanta a lot. Um, he was in Seattle, obviously. For those of you listening that watched the football game, there were jokes that he is he has desires to play with Seattle. I don't see that. They have a rotation. They have Robbie Ray coming back. They have so many rotation yeah, this, spots. This, this is not a, a position that I think um, would fit them well. I would really encourage a team like Boston to sign Blake Snell. Um, it's not going to happen, but you know, you, you need to bring in talent. You need to bring in prime talent to this team as some of these youngsters come up. And, you know, if you're not going to bring in a Bellinger, you got to, you know, Jordan Montgomery is your, your signing. And, uh, but again, first year GM, it's a little bit hard. Um, <clears throat> I, I'm, I think I'm going to have to agree with you on this one. I think Atlanta's probably the best case, best fit. Um, so yeah. We'll go with Atlanta. Wouldn't be surprised. Just, just if he's copying a, if me. He's a Dodger. Wouldn't be surprised. Clayton Kershaw is the next one we have. Yeah, it just moved past. And he's going back to the Dodgers. I, I think yeah, he's going back to the Dodgers. Yep. <laughs> I mean that's, I mean we're pretty much in agreement on all these guys. Brandon Woodruff. Who cares? I hate to say it. I think the Cubs are going to go and get Woodruff. Wouldn't be a bad idea. They got Craig Council. He's got injuries, but like. You know, he's got that Cubs, Reds, Pirates. Honestly, I think all options. I think Cubs and mm -hmm. Reds probably are more likely than the, the Pirates. Um, but I think the Cubs and the Reds have, A, both money to spend. You said the familiarity of Chicago. I agree. This would be a great pickup for the Reds. They, If, if I were them, I would, I would do the two-year deal and maybe like a third and fourth-year team option if he would even consider that with like a 20 – $25 million salary and just lock in a guy that you know is going to be a workhorse once he's back 33, 34. And if he doesn't come back healthy, you just decline those options, but really interested to see what his deal looks like. Yeah. Okay. Here's, I mean, I'm taking the, yeah, well, no, you know, I'm going to be bold. I'm going to say Marcus Stroman goes to the, to the Reds cause they need to get some help. I don't yep. think Marcus Stroman goes back to the Cubs because they're looking for upgrades there. I'm going to say he goes to Cincy. Um, I like I like Stroman. I like Stroman in um, in L.A. The Dodgers. Mm -hmm. I think they're going to miss out on Yamamoto. They're going. They're not going to sign Blake Snell. They're not going to get Montgomery. I think he's a perfect Dodger. I think he's a flashy player. Um, not going to New York. Not going to Texas. Not going to Houston. Not going to the Guardians. Not going to Milwaukee. So he's got a, his options are going to be a little more limited. I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see him in Boston. Okay, then we've got two more on here. Eduardo Rodriguez, I think he goes back to Boston. Um, there has been talks of him wanting to stay closer to the East Coast. He blocked the trade to the Dodgers because it was further away from home for him. I think it just makes sense. He's familiar with Boston. Um they need pitchers. He showcased that he still got it. I, I just see him going back there. Um, I have similar. Um, I have Baltimore. I think Baltimore, ooh, while they're not spending that's... money on the Snells and the Yamamotos, I think bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez, a lefty for that big uh, left field wall, is the absolute home run, no pun intended, um, like Baltimore for Rodriguez. The only thing I will say about Baltimore is they don't spend money. Yep. But and with I could Erod, see them $28 million a see, year. Yeah, not bad. I could see them trading prospects for whichever pitcher that's still going to be controllable for 
two to three years under arbitration, and that might be the route they try to go. All right, the last well, pitcher. And I, mean, I, oh, I go, agree go with ahead. you, but outside of Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish, there's no one in that rotation. Like, you want to win a World Series. You made the playoffs. You need to go out and get three pitchers. And I think Rodriguez at $20, $22 million a year, that's acceptable enough. It fits your time frame. You trade those prospects for two other pitchers. Um, but Baltimore has to sign one of these guys. If they want, if they, if I want, if they want anyone to take them seriously, they have to bring in a starting pitcher. Yeah, I completely agree. All right, we've got one more starting pitcher to go before we go to RP, and that is Frankie Montas, and I think he's gonna go to the Houston Astros. Yeah, I think that's a great fit. Need uh, they need that? They need a, he needs to bounce starter. back. They've done pretty good at pitching, uh, developing pitching, and, and kind of re-solidifying re, um, players' careers. J.P. France, I think, is one of those. Uh, Montas, in general, I don't necessarily you know, know if he's going to go to Houston, but I think he's a really interesting buy-low candidate in fantasy. Early 30s, opportunity to get you three, four good years. Coming off the injury, great splitter. Uh, I like Montas. Montas still in, in fantasy. Yeah. All right, we are jotting that down for you. And we are going to take a quick pause as Matt's pick comes up here. All right, let's move on to relief pitcher. And there's really only one left, and that is Josh Hader. And he's the big free agent. I'm curious, where do you think he's going, Matt? Texas Rangers. I think that's an industry-wide <laughs> standard. Um, coming off a of World Series, they've made a little bit of money. They need to solidify that uh, back into the bullpen. I think Hader... Formerly being a Texas uh, native when he was with the Astros, now has the opportunity to return. Um, I think this is an, an easy slam dunk for both teams. I would completely agree. Um, and that should cover all of our free agents. Um, and I think we're going to skip our Dynasty talk to the next podcast as we're running out of time here. Um, but don't worry, we will have plenty to recap with the two leagues that Matt and I are in, and we will also have all the additional dynasty leagues that Matt's in and seeing what the difference is when we're drafting together versus when Matt drafts alone. But domination, then, what was that? Domination, exactly. But until then, we will talk to you guys next time.